0: So, uh, my family is actually from Montana, and um, uh, my dad is from Butte. I'm not, but my dad is. And so, every year, a couple times, sometimes, we'd drive up to Butte to see uh, family. And here's the odd part. Like, I, even as a little kid, I loved looking out the window at Butte. Uh, Especially up on the hill, that was my favorite part. Um, I don't know why, I just thought it was incredibly beautiful, which... Really, I guess I have an artistic soul, because a lot of people miss that beauty. Um, Have you you guys ever been to Butte? Oh, it's a very gentle town. Um, So, Like the miners, uh, all their houses were like inches apart. And even like that old architecture, I just loved. I just thought Butte was beautiful. Um, But even as a little kid, in the back of a car, looking out the window, I was always amazed how many corner bars there were like at every, st- at every corner there seemed to be a bar um, i have no idea what that meant but um, like I, even a kid i was noticing that so just that's a little background so um, you know i've been here a little over a month um, and i do love Coeur d'Alene it's so beautiful but uh, it does kind of amaze me, because when I drive around, and usually when I drive around, I always get lost. I'm terrible at directions. Um, if you're driving with me and you get in the car, I always warn the person, listen, at some point I'm going to be pulling a Yui, I just don't know where. Um, so I often just kind of explore the city haphazardly. Um, and I'm always amazed that, wow, like every other block there seems to be some church, You know, just some pop-up church. And so it reminded me of Butte, Montana, where every block has a bar. Here, it's every block seems to have a church. Um, And only because, I'm just curious. So sometimes I'll, like, Google them and, like, well, what is that? And what do they believe? And here's the odd part is uh, many times when I'm Googling, uh, figuring out, they have this theology that somehow um, those people aren't, Christians and we are. Um, one church literally said Catholics are not Christians. Like, wow. Um, We're the first and only church until Martin Luther. Um, so that's quite a claim. But there seems to be this finger pointing that I kind of notice is subtly sometimes underneath. And here's the odd part. So then I started to think, well, is that part of the Catholic community? That Do Catholics play that game that Well, were the really orthodox Catholics unlike those people? And I have to say, I have found some hints of that. Now, I'm just giving you my impression. Don't get mad at me. I'm only new. Um, But I might as well tell you, I have found kind of that hint that, well, some people regard themselves as really Catholic and look down on others. I have noticed that. And that's actually a problem. Because if you think that your practice of religion makes you a little bit better than those people. Uh, I hate to say this, that's actually Pharisaicalism. That's a big problem. Yep. That's a terrible virus. Because all the readings today are really about this contrast between Pharisaicalism and what's called, in the Letter of James, pure and undefiled religion. What's the difference? So Pharisees, their name in Hebrew, and I like this, it means separate ones, that they're separated from everybody else um, because they're better than everybody else. Um, So Pharisees, they had to wear special clothing and they had all these rituals that would set them apart from just the normal religious people, that they're better. So that's kind of key. So in today's Gospels, The Pharisees, they don't like Jesus. In fact, they hate Jesus so much that they want him dead. They want to convict him of something. That's what's going on in today's gospel. So they don't come alone. They come with the scribes, and the scribes are um, scripture experts. And they come because they want to convict Jesus of some impropriety. And you know how it is. If you want to, you'll find something. To dislike about somebody, I'm Irish, so when I get angry, I will find some reason. (laughs) Yeah, that's how human beings are, and worse when it comes to religion. So, you know, they they want him dead. Yeah, find out that chapter uh, chapter before. They want him dead, so they want him convicted. And what I love is the extreme irony. God takes on human form. And they want to condemn God for not following the Bible. And they're going to find something. Don't you love the irony of that? Um, So they want to condemn Jesus. Um, And so they notice that Jesus' followers aren't washing their hands before eating, which was a Pharisee custom. Um, And so finally, they have something to complain about. They're so happy. so they accused Jesus, why do you not teach your disciples that this is the tradition of the elders? Um, and Jesus, I love this, his rebuttal is to call them actors. So when he says hypocrites, the word hypocrite means actor. And he says all their worship is fake. Remember, we're contrasting pure religion from really fake religion. And he calls them actors, because they put on a big show. But in their hearts, there's incredible anger. And so he calls them actors. Now, here, I just want to define this. There's a huge difference between being a sinner and being a hypocrite. Because after Mass, somebody will say this to me, and I'll yell and scream at them. um, Because they'll say, well, you know, Father, we're all hypocrites. No, we're not. There's a huge difference. Being a sinner is way down here. No offense, we are all sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, you especially are a sinner. Um, Everybody's a sinner, except my mother. Um, Everybody's broken in some way. Um, Anyhow, so that's, yeah, we're sinners. We're a church of sinners. A hypocrite, that's a much higher crime. A hypocrite is one of the worst you can do. A hypocrite is somebody who uses religion to appear, you know, really holy. But they're using religion for violence or greed or to put people down. That really ticks off God. Um, That's one of the worst things you could be. That is a wolf in sheep's clothing. So, like, if anybody ever says... Well, you know, we're all hypocrites. For the love of Jesus, poke him in the eye. Um, Because that's not true. We are not all hypocrites. But hypocrites are very dangerous. So Jesus says, oh, you're hypocrites. Uh, You're just actors. And so what the Pharisees, that hand washing is this. So Pharisees, if you're a Pharisee, uh, before you did a lot of things, you'd have to wash your hands. And it's not like about the coronavirus. It's about this... Uh, purification, which is good, but you'd have to start with your fingertips and then move up your hands and then back down your fingertips and then dry your hands with your fists. Um, There's a whole ritual to it. Now, the problem is, is that fishermen and shepherds, there's no way they could keep all these rules and regulations. They couldn't constantly be washing their hands every time they got dirty. So, that's why the Pharisees, nor could they wear certain things, that's why the Pharisees, they hated fishermen and shepherds. Now, think about this. Shepherds are the ones that make it to the manger the first, and the Pharisees hated them because they didn't follow their rules that they made up, and fishermen couldn't either. Many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, so the Pharisees don't like them already. Now, there's nothing wrong with hand washing, but You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say any of you guys have to be doing this constantly. And so, like, that's actually kind of key. Because it does say in the Bible that priests have to do it before entering into the temple. So, before a priest will offer a sacrifice, he's supposed to wash his hands. And why? Why does he wash his hands? It's this prayer that when we offer a sacrifice, we're not doing it for any sort of advantage. When we offer a sacrifice, we're not doing it so I'm better than you people. Or I'll offer this sacrifice and then Jesus, you owe me a truck or my hair back. Or, you know, (laughs) you do it out of pure love. So that's what the hand washing is. Free us from all those duplicities. But the Pharisees love that duplicity. Everything they do is for a show that they're better than other people. Um, So... uh, Where was I? I forgot where I was going. Oh, and the amazing part is this, that whole thing of free of duplicity, you know that the Pharisees want Jesus murdered. So they're very concerned about the washing of their hands, but not the washing of their hearts. So when Jesus goes off of, oh, what defiles you is what is in your heart, you know, adultery, murder, what they really have in their heart is murder. And yet they're really concerned about people's hands. And like, The thing about Christ, Christ did not come. God did not take on human flesh to show us how to wash our hands. Christ came to give us a new heart of love. Um, That's what Christ came to give. So he's not going to play their game. Now, they mention this tradition, right, about tradition. uh, Just, I love the word tradition. But in Jews, for Jews, I should say, They are obligated to follow the traditions of Moses. Everything God told Moses in the Old Testament. So if a Jew says, I'm a traditional Jew, what it means is they follow everything that Moses said, right? But then they developed all these other traditions that are not part of Moses. And that's called the traditions of the elders. That is not in the Bible. They're not bad things problem is this. Remember, Moses says you're not allowed to add or subtract anything to the commands. So, the traditions of Moses are up here. The traditions of the elders are beneath them. Well, we in the Catholic Church have a very similar concept. If you say that you're a traditional Catholic, what that means is that you believe in everything that Christ taught the apostles. Um, That's what a traditional Catholic It has to be in that time period. So that's, you know, the Gospels, and the sacraments, and the creed, that makes you a traditional Catholic. And sometimes people use this word inappropriately, because they'll love something in the Middle Ages, and they'll say, ah, oh, I'm a traditional Catholic, I follow the Middle Ages. That's actually a custom, Or sometimes you have it as a big T, meaning everything Christ handed on, and a little t just means custom. So something from the Middle Ages is not traditional. That's actually a custom. Or something from the 1970s. The Catholic Church might have done it, so that makes it a custom, not a tradition. And I just say that, because I'm not a big fan of the 70s, except for maybe the music, but the architecture and the hair left a lot to be desired. Um, So my point being is that, ah, tradition. There's nothing wrong with tradition. That's everything Christ handed on to the apostles. Tradition with a small t, custom. If you put that above tradition, then you're being like a Pharisee. And I love traditions. I'm not putting all these traditions down. One of my favorite centuries is the fifth century in Ireland. It's called Celtic spirituality. Like, I really want to teach a class on different spiritualities throughout time. In the fifth century, Ireland Bloomed in this golden age of spirituality. Um, and one of the characteristics is that they use customs. And so, for a couple hundred years, if you were in a village, um, you know, all there is is Catholicism. But the Irish developed these customs where, like, the moment you see a sun rise, you would say one prayer. And generations would learn these prayers. You'd say one prayer. If you light a candle, You'd say a prayer that the Holy Spirit is lit in you. If you blew out a candle, you'd say a different prayer. Or if you washed your face in the morning, you'd rinse it three times in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all these little customs, they knitted the whole community together. And they helped focus that you can find God throughout ordinary things in the day. If you saw an animal, that animal symbolized one of the virtues of God. I love those customs. We're just not allowed to put them above the traditions that Christ handed on to the apostles. Um, They help us focus. You're just not allowed to put them above it. So um, now I kind of have to look at my notes because I forget where I was going. But um, so that's traditions, nothing wrong with it. But so there's this contrast, is that the Pharisees They've made their traditions more important than anything else. And so, um, Christ is offering them what real religion is supposed to look like. It's this change from the inside. Or the letter of James that is wonderful. The letter of James talks about what is pure and undefiled religion. A pure religion is not being concerned with external shows Uh, Pure religion flows from the heart. And you know it's a pure religion because it brings love and life into the world. So pure, undefiled religion, based on love, it gives life to the world. It feeds the most afflicted. It cares for the most afflicted. That's what real love of religion does. It doesn't make you think that you're better than other people. Real religion makes you love people better. There's a huge difference. Like, I love the fact that we're putting food now at this mass out for the poor in the back table. Um, That shows that, no, our religion is supposed to feed the world. Um, So my point being is for this weekend, what are we teaching our children or the world? In one sense, you have a choice. You can either teach the world that we're Pharisees, that we practice religion so that we can think we're better than those people. That's a Pharisee. Or you can practice what Christ taught, what the letter of James taught. Real religion is not about being better than other people, it's loving people better. So let's pray that what we really pass on to the next generation is not an example of Pharisees, but an example of what real religion does.